Welcome to Southside Community Church. Enjoy our Sunday morning message. Sitting in Dwayne and Nicole Bonner's um, living room, and I was trying to figure out how to tell them that there's, there might be a point where they get frustrated with me and with Southside. And the reason is because they are such a strong uh, live all out for the kingdom family. They're such a strong couple that way. Like they're just ready to do whatever it takes for anybody in need. And I was trying to tell them, I move really slowly and I honestly, you know, there's, there's a lot of passages in Scripture that says that you should honor one another really well, and you should point out where other people's gifts are really strong, and you should be okay assessing where your gifts aren't as strong. And I've, I said this in the pastor's note, and I said it in their living room, but Dwayne is a far more gifted leader than I am. He, he's an incredible guy, and he's very humble. He's going to come up here and say, ah, I don't agree with it. Don't listen to him. He's a very gifted leader. He's a very gifted pastor. And um, he pastored a thriving, he was a senior pastor with Thriving Church in Michigan. He's had opportunities to step back into lead pastor roles, and he's turned those down because he's, in Kent, he's content to bring the kingdom to where he's working right now. The funny thing about a pastor is we're not on the front lines. You are on the front lines. We are to equip you to be on the front lines. And I think Dwayne just likes being on the front lines and I admire him for that. I love him for that. And his wife is just as passionate about the kingdom and about Jesus as he is. And so they're a very dynamic couple. And I'm sure you've all, many of you have had an opportunity to interact with them. But this is a faithful couple. And I'm very excited to have Dwayne teaching us this morning. So Dwayne, you want to you wanna come on up? He said no. So anybody else want to, Nicole, do you, anybody? Am I on Duke? Here we go. Thanks, Greg. I appreciate the brotherly spirit that I have with uh, Greg and Alex as well. Yeah, I'm not even going to respond to everything you just said. Just say thank you. All right. I told Greg a little while ago that if I ever need to preach, I've got you know something in the chamber that I could just stand up and share for, for 20 minutes that I'm passionate about. And so... A couple weeks ago when he found out Alex might be gone, he asked me, and I said, yeah, sure, I've got this, i got a sermon, yeah. And then I've worked six days the last two weeks, which has been a lot of fun, but as I'm thinking of, yeah, I could just get up and no notes and just do this on this subject matter, it just felt like God was giving me more and more to, to bring to you all today. So I started making notes on my phone and putting them on the laptop and just making notes. So I've got something that I hope is simplistic for you all. I believe it will be very helpful for you all. Uh, and today I want to talk about sharing our faith. So that's the subject matter. And I'm gearing this message to those of us who are all professing Christians in here today. Key word there is professing. Professing Christians. None of us knows each other's hearts. We can only know each other by our fruits. But if you're not yet a Christian, a true believer... This is also a message for you, as I believe it will help you understand some basic tenets of our faith. And I'm, I'm looking out at my notes and I'm laughing because it's such a small print. And I was asking Duke, can I walk around? 
can I walk? He's like, no, I have to stay up here. So I'm going to just be chained here, get through the notes. If I go off notes, I'm a rabbit trail, squirrel type of guy, okay? So I'm just going to stay here, let you know. Our Christian faith is our everything. It is our everything. It's what places us in the family of God. It is what guarantees us a place in heaven. It's what guides us in our daily lives. It's what gives us hope and purpose. And if our Christian faith is so important to our own humanity and to humanity as a whole, that we should be sharing our Christian faith with others. Bless you. Bless you again. See, I can, I can just be all over the place. The subject about sharing our faith is called evangelism. It's this high churchy word, evangelism. And I've learned a, a good bit about this subject over the last 20, 30 years of my life, actually. I'm not an expert on evangelism, but I've learned enough from other teachers and some great resources that I'm, I'm dangerous with it. I, I can handle myself sharing the faith. I can get into random conversations where I'm able to discuss Jesus Christ and who he is with other people that I, that I meet. I'm, I'm not winning at this, though, in my life. You say, Dwayne, are you, are you sharing your faith regularly? I would say, not enough. I'm, I'm not winning at it. Because I will admit, it doesn't come natural to me. Did you know that evangelism, this whole sharing your faith thing, it can come very natural to certain people. They have a spiritual gift of this. It's one of the 20 spiritual gifts in the lists of those spiritual gifts in our scriptures. Evangelism is there. Some of you have this gift. Some of you don't even know you have this gift yet. But you'll find that you have this. You can easily get into conversations about Jesus Christ with people, and you just have a knack for sharing him with others. Maybe it's a warmth of your personality, but God has gifted you uniquely to do that. He's not gifted me with evangelism. So it doesn't come naturally. And I often beat myself up with guilt and shame that I'm not doing it enough. And, and maybe you're like me today because I'm not here to heap guilt and shame on anybody. I want this to be simplistic and helpful. I want to actually release tension in your life. I want you to relax as we talk about this. I want to give you some tools that I think will, will help you share your faith with others. Am I really loud like I'm in a tin can or is it just me? You good? Just me. There's a lot of that going on. It's just me. Okay. Ask Nicole. It's just me. So I want us to shed the, the guilt and the shame that any of us might be feeling right now. When you think about sharing your faith, because I'm going to be talking about this, I'm going to be driving these points home, what it looks like to share your faith. Shed the guilt. Shed the shame. I want to remind you that God's grace is greater than all of our failures. If you go out of here today and you fail at witnessing to somebody, you feel like, oh, I should have talked to them. You need to know that God's grace is greater than that failure. Don't beat yourself up. God's going to take care of his sheep. He'll take care of people getting saved. He just chooses us to be part of the process. God uses you and I as his mouthpieces, right? Romans chapter 10. How will they hear if there is no one to preach to them, to no one to talk, with no one to talk with them, to share Jesus Christ with them? So I don't want to bear on any of us the guilt and shame that we could feel. Sometimes we're going to have difficult questions when we talk to people about Jesus. They're going to ask some crazy off-the-wall questions, and we're not going to have answers. We're going to feel really stupid, and that's okay, because God's got them. God's got us. We're just part of the process. There's a passage in 
uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3 where Paul says, and he's talking to the Corinthian church, and we're going to go to Corinthians in a moment, but Paul is talking to them, and he says, hey, I planted Apollos, who was a great preacher, watered, but God gets the increase. So Paul went and planted seeds of the gospel. Nothing really happened. Apollos came, waters on those seeds, but God gets the increase. Here's what he's saying. You and I can share the gospel with people, tell them about Jesus. Nothing may not happen in, in 1995. But someone comes along in 2010, shares the same gospel with them, and their heart is open in 2010. Someone is watering on the seeds that you planted in 1995. But it doesn't matter who this is and who this is. What matters is, is that God gets the increase. And that was all about preachers and what preacher was the best in the city of Corinth. They were fighting over these things. And Paul said, it doesn't matter. God gets all the increase. And I can bring that right to here. Greg, you find this all the time. Greg can preach week in and week out the gospel message and share Jesus Christ. And then Alex gets up fourth week of the month and Alex says the same thing. He just moved his hands like this a little bit. Remember that Holiday Inn commercial? You just moved your hands, all right. But that happens all the time where guest preachers come in. And people in the church hear that fresh voice. And it doesn't matter. They're hearing someone is watering on the seeds that have been planted. So see yourself in this whole subject of evangelism and sharing your faith. See yourself as someone who is just sowing seeds in people's lives, right? We're seed sowers, seed throwers, as has been said before. You might be talking to someone in their 30s at your workplace. You get to share Jesus with them. And you might just be number 17 in their life as the seed sower. And you might be the person that they go home at night and go, man, I was having a talk with Dwayne. That made a lot of sense. Well, why didn't it make sense five years ago? We can't understand these things. These are too high for us, and that's okay. We don't have to. We just let God handle the winning of souls. We are just seed sowers. And I don't know, maybe people come through these doors on a weekly basis. And maybe some people come in here who have a parent or a sister or a brother who are way far away from Wayne County, Ohio, and they've been praying for their loved one. And their loved one steps foot in Southside Community Church on a Sunday morning. And those brothers and sisters or parents are praying for that person who lives in Wayne County, Ohio, and they come here. And they're hoping and praying that us as the believers of this church will say hello to this person and kindly greet them and make them feel loved. And then they will sit down and they will hear the gospel. They will hear about Jesus. They will sense the love of Christ. And they, and they don't even realize that they got loved ones praying from the, for them from afar. And I can give an anecdotal story about this. Uh, Nicole and I, our 25-year-old son, lives in Northern, Northern California. And on a sidebar, very similar comment. We pray for him out there, living so far away that he would just attend church and, and find good Christian community. And we're very thankful he has. There's a guy out there called Pastor Jim, who's one of the pastors there, just really investing in, in Lonnie's life. But we're thousands of miles away, but we're praying for him to have people in his circle. And there's people right here in our congregation who are not from this area. And they need us as a Christian family. And they have people praying for them from afar. But I want you to think about, if you don't get anything I say today, think about people coming through our doors every week and how you might be an answer to prayer in their life, to just say hello, greet them, get to know them, because people are praying for them. 
to receive Christ. We're all involved in this. There's seed sowers in other states and other counties, and there's seed waterers right here in this church community. So people need to hear about Jesus. They need to hear about his hope that he offers, his eternal life that he offers. So that's all my introduction. And I'm going to treat this like a Bible class today on evangelism. And my hope is that Christians in here today are going to find this information helpful and you're going to feel a little bit more equipped than you were when you came through the doors here this morning. So I want to play a little game of did you know. Ready? Rhetorical questions. Did you know? And these are presuppositions I'm bringing to the pulpit here about evangelism. Did you know that sharing your faith is not rocket science? We can all do it. Did you know? It's not the pastor's job to witness to your friends and my friends and our loved ones. It's yours. Did you know the great commission of Matthew 28, the great commission where Jesus looks at his disciples in verse 18 and says, go and make disciples of all nations. Jesus didn't say, go out and tell your friends they need to come to your local church and hear your pastor preach the gospel. He didn't say that. He said, go and make disciples. We are to do the work of evangelism. It's a command. It's a commission. It's not easy. Again, I'm not pressing guilt and shame, but can I at least say what the Bible says? Go and make disciples. He didn't say if you feel good that day. If you're feeling like it, eh, do I want to share with them, Lord? kind of feel like I don't like them. I don't know. A little Jonah, Nineveh, Old Testament stuff there. Did you know the church is to be a gathering of saints together for worship and teaching and exhortation. The church is to be a gathering where the one another's of Scripture, you know those one another's in your New Testament? Love one another, right? Encourage one another. Rebuke one another. That's in there. We're supposed to rebuke one another. All these one another's are to happen in the life of a local church. The church, the ecclesia in the Greek, it means the called out ones. It's a gathering of called out ones. I would submit to you the church is not to be a Billy Graham crusade every Sunday. Billy Graham crusades are wonderful. People come and hear, not Billy anymore, God rest his soul, but they're to hear people preach and share the gospel. Those are great. The local church is a gathering where we worship in song together. We worship in sermon and message together. We worship in prayer together. We worship by encouraging one another after the service. The one another's happening. And yes, we have evangelism happen. Yes, the gospel goes forth in the local church. And yes, people are to get saved in the local church. These things all should be happening. But we cannot reduce the local church to a crusade where we just expect the preacher every week to share Jesus Christ and get all of our friends and family saved. We are to be doing the work of evangelism. We are to be doing the work of sharing our faith with people. Did you know evangelism is the natural outflow of Christians who love their Savior and want to share His love? We want to share His forgiveness. We want to share His adoption and acceptance of us. And here's another did you know. When we become a member of God's family by faith, when we become born-again believers, brought into the family of God, we're not just members of the family of God, we also become missionaries in the family of God. 
So we're, we're missionaries. Well, where do you, where do you get this, Dwayne? Where, where are you going here? Well, Alex last week was talking about the catechism of enjoying God forever, if you remember that. And I want to build on that catechism that if we in our Christian lives, I'm speaking to Christians here, if we in our Christian lives are truly enjoying God forever, tomorrow we go to work or we go to school, we're enjoying God God is going to come out of our lives, right? We're going, to, we're going to talk about Him with people. Conversations will happen naturally. We're going to be more courageous as we speak with others around us. So let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I said we're going to be in the Corinthian books today. Actually, both of them. But let's go to 2 Corinthians 5, and we're going to go to 17 through 20. And I'll tell you what, this is halftime, so can I get you all to stand for a minute? Let's get our blood flowing here. Let's just stand, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 to 20. I'm going to read this, and then I'm going to go to one other text just to page away. So stay with me, and then we'll pray. All right, verses 17 through 20. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All right, that's a new believer right there. Born again believer. For me, that was 11 years old, 1989. I was born again. I was in Christ, a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from your pastor. Oh, no, doesn't say that. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. You and I have the ministry of reconciliation. All right, where you live and work, you have the ministry of reconciling other people to God the Father. Hey, you've been, you're away from God the Father just as I once was. And I want you to know God the Father through Jesus the Son. I want to bring you back to Him reconciled. We have a ministry of reconciliation. These are great highlightable verses, by the way. Get to know these verses. That is, verse 19, in Christ God, let me rephrase that. That is, in Christ God was reconciling the world to Himself not counting their trespasses or sins against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, here's the word I want you to hear, we are ambassadors for Christ. I said you're a missionary. You're ambassadors. We have an ambassador to the UN. We have an ambassador to every country around the world, right? They represent the United States in those other countries. Guess what? We're in foreign lands here. We are all ambassadors in the Wayne County area that we live, all right? Ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. That is a great text. Let's go back two pages, maybe one page, to chapter 2, verses 15 and 16. 2 Corinthians 2, 15 and 16. I want you to check your, check your smell today real quick. Everybody okay in here? Feeling good? Okay. Anybody? Okay. Here we go. We're going to read this. We are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. Everywhere you go, you're around people who are either being saved or they're perishing. They are eternally headed to heaven or they are, they are eternally headed toward hell. That's heavy. To one, we are a fragrance from death to death. And they're not going to like our aroma. 
and to another a fragrance from life to life. And who is sufficient for these things? For we are not like so many peddlers of God's word, but as men of sincerity, as commissioned by God, in the sight of God we speak in Christ. Paul is saying, we're not peddling something. I'm not selling you Amway today. I'm not selling anything. I'm not giving you your best life now. If you give your life to Jesus, you're going to be a millionaire someday, and all these things are going to, your wildest dreams come true. Paul is not peddling anything, and I thank God neither do we appreciate that about Greg and Alex. We're just going to give you the simplistic gospel. And let's pray. Lord, help me as I teach my friends here. Thank you for their willingness to be here and listen. And I pray that you would just guide my words and guide our time together, Lord. Help us all to be more courageous, Lord, more passionate about our own faith if we're Christians in here today and to share this faith with others as you bring opportunities into our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. All right, half time's over. Third quarter begins. So as we're telling people about God and his kingdom, we are the sweet aroma of Christ, right? We're going to also be talking about the word of the cross. Let's go to 1 Corinthians, my last major text I want to read. Because, by the way, I want you to get familiar with these texts. They're good to write down on a, on a sheet with you here today. Go back through them. The two letters to the Corinthian church that we have are amazing, great, great texts. I love Paul's writings, of course. They're scripture. Okay, you can't just say you love Paul's more than anybody else's, but you know what I'm saying. It's just powerfully good stuff for the church today. 1 Corinthians 1, 17 to 25. This is the text that I want you all to remember to be relaxed with. To just not put any pressure on yourself. Yes, I'm preaching this sermon. Yes, I think we need to hear it. We need to be equipped on it. But I love how Paul says this. Verse 17, I think, from chapter 1. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, and not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. Let's go on. For the word of the cross, I want you to circle that maybe and put it back to the verse before it, the gospel. The word of the cross is another good way of saying the gospel. It's folly or foolishness to those who are perishing. There's that sense of this again that Paul says, there are people who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, there are people who are being saved. It is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. You think you're pretty smart and discerning? God's like, I will destroy your wisdom. And the Corinthian church wanted these type of preachers. The Greek life was bringing in these great orators and preaching. And Paul was always like, hey, I know I'm a little man and I know I'm old and feeble, but I have a powerful voice. I may not be a great orator like everybody else who you want to see from the Greeks. I'm just going to do this. And this is what Paul is defending right here. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the great scribe of the Jewish law? Where is the debater of this age? Because remember, Corinth in Greece, they love this. Get in here and debate. Let's have all this, you know, Socrates and stuff going on in, in, in their world. Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom. 
It pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. Paul is like, our preaching is foolishness and people are getting saved because the Greeks think we're all fools. Paul's like, I don't care. I'm going to keep going. For the Jews demand signs and the Greeks seek wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified and it's a stumbling block to the Jews and it's folly or foolishness to the Gentiles. But to those who are called both Jews and, and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Hey, to those who are called at Paul's preaching, all these people hear Paul preach, he knows that there's some in that audience that are called Jews, who the power of God is their salvation that's going to happen in that audience. Greeks, the power of God is the wisdom of God that they're going to receive Christ as their Savior out of their blurred thinking. But to those who are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, for the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Why do I share these verses with you? Because, boy, I have shared my faith with people and they will ask me questions about carbon dating and I'm like, my brain doesn't go that far. I'm sorry. I can find an answer for you. I don't have answers to all that. There's a lot we have to just take by faith. And I'm like, walk away. Well, okay, Lord, that's, that, I planted seed. Good luck. Get someone with a better head to work with them next time in 2025. <laughs> I planted seed. But you know what I go back to? Hey, the wisdom of God. It thwarts the wisdom of man. That person just isn't ready to receive the things of Christ. It's simple. All I got to do is preach Christ crucified. Just share Jesus Christ. Sow some seed. God bless. It was a great talk. Thank you so much. You blew my mind. I'll work on these things. I'll get better. I don't have all the answers. So we talk about the word of the cross. We talk about the gospel. And we have that beautiful word gospel. And I really feel like people in our churches don't understand this word because it's, it's difficult. I mean, it's just a junk drawer word that we hear all the time when we're in church. The gospel, it's 97 times in our ESV Bible, I looked it up this morning, 97 times that word's used. I'm not going to go into it, but I, I have a handout for you that explains the gospel. And I want to get you to look at that handout for a second. Okay, that half, half sheet of paper, hopefully you got it. This is excellent stuff. What is the gospel? And I got fill in the blanks for those of you who love to fill in blanks, but many of you probably didn't bring a pen and that's okay. The Lord will take care of all this. So what is the gospel? And this is by ninemarks.org by smarter pastors than I ever can be, and I'm just going to use their stuff because it's great. I taught this to my sons at a young age. I wanted them to be able to explain three things. When I say, who is the gospel, that they could say, who is God, who is man, and who is Jesus? It's that simple. This is, this is like a teaching moment for you all. You're not going to remember it all. Take this half sheet with you. Use it. Think through these points. Let's talk about God, number one. You need to be able to articulate the gospel as a missionary for Jesus Christ. I, I firmly believe we all need to, to have that. God is both our sovereign creator, that's your fill in the blank, and he is our righteous judge. Who is God? All right, point number one. Can you describe God to someone in your circle of life who does not know anything about him? Well, just start there. God is our creator and he's our righteous judge. Why is it important that God is our judge? Well, you sound judgy, Dwayne. Well, it's not me, it's God. I'm just the mailman sharing the mail. That's what we do as Christians, all right? And we explain things about God. 
And there's a good paragraph here, and there's verses in Nehemiah and Psalms that we're not going to go to, but God therefore has the right of ownership over us by virtue of creating us. And he has the right to punish or reward us by virtue of his royal judicial office. Now, don't, you're not going to memorize this and be like, well, God has this and your judicial. You're going to bore the snot out of somebody. You say it like that. But just have some of these truths here, okay? But this is good theological truth. We are doubly accountable to God for all of our behavior, word, thought, and deed. You got to get the point across that God is our creator and he's our judge by virtue of just creating us. We start with creation. That's who God is. Well, let's talk about us, mankind. Who is man? Well, Genesis 3, well, Genesis 1, God created man and woman in his image. All right, so that's your first blank in God's image. We were created to glorify God and enjoy him forever. There's Alex's sermon last week, the catechism, enjoy him forever. But man sinned against God by disobeying his holy law. Man therefore separated himself from God's holy and satisfying presence and incurred his wrathful displeasure. Yes, I copied and pasted that paragraph so you'd have it and you can look at it all week long, okay? Take your notes home, look at it in the mornings when you're doing your devotions. Go through these truths of God, man, and these Bible verses there. And then third, Jesus. So we know who God is. We know man, that's us, horribly fallen and sinful. Boy, that stinks. Our creator is a judge and, and he has rights over me but I am born a sinner. Hmm. Well, Jesus Christ. His death was a substitute payment for the penalty we deserve for our sin. Talk about sin. Learn to discuss sin. The substitute. His death is God's only provision for the forgiveness of man's sin and the appeasement of God's wrath against him. Again, heady phrases there. You don't have to memorize those, but could you explain who Jesus Christ is and what he did on the cross? And then if you're sitting at a break at work and you're saying, well, we at, you know, as a Christian community, we talk about the gospel a lot. I want to tell you who God is, who man is, who Jesus is. And then look at the person and say, what do you think about all that? Leave the ball in their court. All right? And just ask the question, how do you, what do you think about all that? How, how would they respond to that? That's very simple. All right, Pastor Mark Dever over in Washington, D.C. developed a lot of these thoughts on how to share the gospel like this. I think it's excellent um, how to explain that word gospel. The good news is what the word means. All right, and then on the other side of your half sheet of paper, we have some other stuff. And this is what I said to Greg. I could just get up and roam the middle aisle here and talk to people for 20 minutes about these techniques of sharing our faith, which I think are good things for all of us to have uh, in our tool belt. So, how many of you have ever heard of the Romans Road? Any longtime Christians back in the day? The Romans Road, all right? Good stuff. Love it. I actually grew up in a Christian home. My father was a pretty good evangelist. Um, my dad was just a hardworking dude, but every Saturday he went out and would talk to people about Jesus, and I would see him talk to grown men and women and take them through the Bible and the Romans Road. And I learned this stuff at a very early age. Romans 3. 10, verse 23, Romans 5, 8, Romans 6, 23. You see what we're doing? A roadmap through Romans, the Romans road. It's good stuff. And there's so many times where I will pull a verse that I memorized as a kid out of the Romans road and like, mm, back pocket, I remember that one. Yes, let's bring that one about. It's really good. The Romans road starts with the assumption 
that our culture is a religious culture and that our culture knows about Jesus and that our culture understands that we're all sinners. And if you think about our culture right now, we're, we're past that. I mean, we're postmodern. There's a lot of people right here in Worcester High School that wouldn't have a clue who Jesus is. It's just our culture is not where we were 30 or 40 years ago. And so it's helpful to zoom out from the Romans road today and actually start way back at creation. All right? And there's a lot of great teachers and theologians who are looking at culture and how we're sharing our faith as a Christian community. And they're, they're saying it's, it's more effective if you bring people to creation and how things happen and then bring in Jesus and then bring in the Romans road. And so the Romans road is great. If you've got that up in here, keep it. Uh, you want to put that in one of your pockets for the rest of your life, keep it there. It's, it's a great part of our tool belt. Pastor D. James Kennedy developed something called Evangelism Explosion back in the 1960s. Anybody ever heard of Evangelism Explosion? All right. I used to go to New York City on mission trips in the early 2000s, and Evangelism Explosion is these questionnaires. And we would go to Central Park, and people were super receptive. I lived in Bloomington, Illinois, and people at Illinois State University, we would go to the dorms, and dudes in dorms would just open the door, they'd be smoking weed, hey man, come on in, what do you guys, we're just talking to people about Jesus, doing questionnaires, come on in, and we would talk to people, and they were super receptive, and we would say, hey, we're out asking six questions, because this is what evangelism explosion did. It was great, a great tool. Even today, it's a great tool. I highly recommend it, Google it sometime, but we'd go to Central Park and people just want to tell me, uh, I'd be like, what do you think is the problem with the world today? They'd be like, George Bush. I'm like, okay, good. Uh, next question. That was like question three. I got a lot of George Bushes in New York City. I'm like, okay, I'm this guy from Illinois. I'll never forget that. But that's a, great, that's a great one. On your half sheet of paper that I'm giving you, I want to recommend to you one. It's called Share Jesus Without Fear. Do you see that on your page? A guy, Bill Fay, I think he's Southern Baptist, um, I spent two years in Chesapeake, Virginia, and I taught one of these classes, and I still remember just the first two questions, and I've used them even recently. These, again, are in one of my back pockets because I went through it in a church class. But Bill Fay is this great evangelist. This guy's gifted. He sits in an airplane with you. He's your best friend, and he just starts talking. Conversations. Very effective. Very kind. Very sincere. Like we ought to be. Good listeners. And so Bill Fay writes five questions to ask. First one is the one that I love to use. It just gets the conversation started. Uh, that question is, what kind of spiritual beliefs do you have? Because everyone has them, even atheists. Their belief is of faith. No God. Well, that's an act of faith right there. Good, good for you. Wow. Uh, you're going to hear some crazy stuff if you just ask this question. It's a great question. People will just talk. What are your spiritual beliefs? And you know what Bill Fay says? Your answer should be, hmm. Huh. Let me ask you another question. And I love that. Because you know what I do? And you can ask my wife this. When she's talking to me, I just hear, wah, 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 wah. Or I hear, this is how I'm going to answer this question. I've like, got answers right now. I'm going to, mm. <laughs> Any other dudes like me? Hmm? You're, just, you're just loading the weapon for your answers. Not listening. So Bill Fay says, when you ask these questions, your answer should be, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, good. Just let it, let the words hit you. What do you think about Jesus? That's question two. That's on your paper. To you, who is 
Jesus. A Hindu is going to tell you he was one of many gods. They have a thousand gods. A Muslim will tell you he was Isa the prophet. Good man. You're going to hear a lot of different answers on that. But what are we trying? We're trying to get to who is Jesus because Jesus is the sole factor of our faith. His death, burial, and resurrection. That's the gospel. And then you can go on. Do you think it's a heaven or hell? I never usually get to this question because our conversation just goes all over the place after question two. But question one is great. Total strangers, I've just said, what kind of spiritual beliefs do you have? And it opens up some great dialogue. And we're not there to close a deal. We're there to sow seed. All right? I, don't have to, I need you to cross a lot of faith right now. Maybe, I, maybe we get to that point. Hey, would you like to receive this gift of faith right now? Would you like to put your faith in Christ today? Repent of your sins? Yes. That happens awesome. And yes, we should strive for that. But you don't have to close the deal because God is sovereign and He might close the deal in the next two years with that person. You have to trust His plan for this. No guilt, no shame. We're just seed sowers and seed throwers. Keep getting that in your heads as well, please. Because that's important. Because a lot of us, we feel guilt. And then lastly, and I am closing this down here, uh, the story is another bottom of your half sheet of paper there, the story. It's by Spread Truth Ministries. And while in Illinois, um, a guy who had led a lot of these evangelism efforts is a friend of mine, and he was a co-pastor, and he's the one that led all of our trips to New York. And he, as we did this evangelism explosion, we would go to the college campuses at Illinois State, or we'd be in New York City, or we'd be in Chicago doing these uh, street talks with people, what he really felt like there just needed to be something a little more broad about Scripture. And so Jerry developed this the story, and there's a whole training program on this, but I just want to give you his four questions to ask. Four questions. You've heard, I think Greg and Alex have talked about this, the four overarching chapters of the Bible. You know what they are? This whole book here is really explained in four great big chapters. Number one is right at the beginning in Genesis 1. How did it all begin? God created the heaven and the earth, right? There was a big bang. It was the voice of God. Let there be light, all right? I like to say that one because people are like, he's an evolutionist now. I I believe in creation. It was the voice of God. Let there be light, right? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. All right, and if I believe Jesus rose from the dead, I can believe all the other crazy stuff in the book of Genesis, all right? Question one, how did it all begin? Again, we're asking questions. Now we're conversing with people. How do you think it all began? You're going to hear a lot of crazy stuff, a lot of, a lot of interesting stuff. Second question, because the second great chapter is just a little bit past that, is what went wrong? What went wrong? Why do we have to lock our doors every time we get out of our car, even in a church parking lot? Why do we have to lock our doors at night to our house? Why is there famine? Why are there wars? Why is our earth, why are the humans of our earth so crazy? Hmm. Well, I know what the Bible says. The Bible says that sin entered into the world and it broke everything. Our world, our earth is broken. But you get talking to people about the problem of our world, and the problem is us and our sin. It goes back to what is the gospel? Who is God? Who is man? Who is Jesus? So we're talking about the problem of the world. It's mankind, it's our sin. And we're sincerely and we're graciously having this discussion, right? Chapter 1, how did it all begin? Chapter 2, what went wrong? Chapter 3, is there any hope? Can anything be done about all this? 
Well, yeah, I think, you know, if uh, our government can just do a little bit more, and boy, I hope that, you know, I think we're all heading to a better place, and you're going to get a lot of good answers about that question. And maybe you get a chance to offer your thoughts. Hey, since we're conversing here, can I share? I think our only hope is Jesus Christ. You know, Jesus has come to this earth. He died for our sins. He rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven after his resurrection. Well, what's that got to do with me? Well, today he's alive in heaven. He's watching this conversation. He hears our prayers. He loves us. He's for us. Man, I've just seen my life do this and that, and he's changed me. Oh, okay. Thanks for letting me share that. My last question is, how do you think it's all going to end? What happens? You know what happens when, when, when we expire? You know what happens to us when we die? Well, you know what the Bible says in Revelation 21, such a warm text, it says that for those who know Christ and we enter his presence in heaven, it, it talks about how Jesus is going to wipe away all the tears from our eyes because life is hard. This, this earthly life, Jesus said it would be difficult. It was difficult for him. He, he was homeless for a few years and he was crucified. And he never told us it was going to be easy and he's here with us. But you're just conversing and you can share someday all that pain and all that hurt is going to be gone. He's going to wipe away every tear from our eyes. You're just conversing, but do you have something to use to converse with? And that's what I'm here today to share with you. So what I'm hoping you'll, yeah, bless you, man. I'm, I'm hoping you're going to take this away as you leave here. Christian, you are a missionary. Be bold. Talk about your faith with other people. Christian, put some new tools in the tool belt. Memorize some of these questions today. Get a few. You're like, that's a good one. I like that one. You know, you go, to, you go to Spread Truth's website, they have resources. You can go to YouTube and see The Way of the Master is another great one. Uh, Kirk Cameron and Ray Comfort. There's a lot of great different tools, okay? Again, I want you to think about these things. Take the pressure off yourself. God's grace is bigger than our failures in evangelism. You're going to mess up. You're going to be stumped by people. You just have to admit you don't have all the answers. You'll try to find an answer if you, if you can. And you have to remember you're just a seed planter or maybe you're a seed waterer. You've got to trust that God is going to be the one who gets all of the glory, all of the increase from anyone's life who has changed because they're brought to that relationship with God's Son, Jesus Christ. And Christian, you've got to learn to ask good questions. You've got to learn to be a good listener. Difficult, right here. I've got to learn this. Keep studying these beautiful these passages uh, of the message of the cross and the gospel and all of its beauty and all of its implications. Study these passages in Corinthians. Uh, Alex gave us some stuff last week. He's been, he's been talking through this stuff too. And I want the Christian in here today. Here's, here's my, I'm seriously in my last paragraph of notes here. But how do you put something to it when we leave? I think it'd be really cool and wise if each of us would really think about a couple people in our lives right now, maybe three people. And we need to start praying for our loved ones and our friends and our coworkers. Because you know what? You're going to be more apt and ready to have a conversation because that morning you woke up and you prayed for them. 
And yet then as you pray for them, you're going to see God is going to open doors for you to talk with them. Because again, if our faith is the most important thing to us and it should be the most important thing to humanity because it's our eternal lives, shouldn't we be wanting to talk to our loved ones and coworkers and classmates about this? Yes, the answer is yes. It's rhetorical. Three people. God, bring three people to my mind who I can put in my phone, set an alarm, and just pray for them. And you may not talk to them for another year, but pray for them the next 365 days because your mind will be on them and you'll be looking for opportunities to talk with them. Hey, you ever been asked a question like, what kind of spiritual beliefs do you have? When I was at church, we were talking about this word, the gospel. You know, you probably hear that southern gospel or, you know, B.B. and C.C. Winans and gospel concerts. You ever thought about that word, the gospel? It's kind of a funny word, isn't it? Yeah, it just means the good news. Nah, I just thought I'd say that today. Have a good day. Bye. Be really weird about it. I'm just kidding. Don't be weird. Don't be weird. And maybe you are today one of our friends who are here, and you're not yet a, a believer, okay? You're, you're, you're searching, and that's awesome. We're so thankful you're here. And I hope that you have heard the gospel pretty clearly about who God is and who mankind is and who Jesus is. And I would offer that today. Would you respond to that message in some way today? You know, maybe God is drawing you into his family and he's brought you here. And I hope I was clear with the message to, to share with you today. Will you acknowledge your own sinfulness? Would you turn from your sins and would you trust in Jesus to forgive you and to save you and to adopt you into his family. I was talking to a buddy this week at lunch. He's a Christian. I said, tell me your testimony. And he said, you know what? I uh, was at Ashland and uh, our football team, we were the party house. And a guy upstairs was always, he's from Worcester, would be reading his Bible. And as we were partying, everybody had to go upstairs, use the restroom, and he'd be in there reading his Bible just to be annoying to us, I think. I said, what a buzzkill, yeah. And he said, after a while, um, we just started talking to him. And we loved him because he was our roommate, great guy. Again, you hear that part? Great guy, not a jerk, just reading his Bible. He started asking us about music, and he showed us a Jeremy Camp CD. And I was like, I love Jeremy Camp. If you're a football player, I can see why you'd like Jeremy Camp. The dude's jacked, has a great voice, sounds like Creed. Awesome guy. I loved Jeremy Camp, still do. Went to a Jeremy Camp concert in Columbus. Oh, wow, this is getting good. And he said, Dwayne, I had been to a large church in the area for 10 years of my life, and no one ever asked me if I've ever put my own faith in Jesus Christ. He's like, I've just never been posed that question. Then at the Jeremy Camp concert, the speaker posed that question to us all. He said, and right there, I gave my life to Jesus. But you know what he said? Ten years in the local church, and no one's really asked him if he's given his life to Jesus Christ. So I didn't want to finish my sermon today without asking you, have you given your life to Jesus Christ? But what a great testimony about a guy reading his Bible and a dude partying it up and being drawn to Jesus in a new way that he never was before. And then going to a Christian concert and someone's sowing the seed, watering the, watering the seed at a concert, and he gives his life at a concert. Powerful stuff. That can be us. We're just seed sowers in people's lives. Let's pray. Thank you for listening. 
check out our website at southsideworcester.com.